So there's a freeing feeling in that, and that leads to clarity because there's a feeling of security and tranquility, which allows us to think clearer as we manifest that my higher power knows my address. Hi, I'm Rifka. And I'm Ida. Welcome to the From the Inside Out podcast. We're mumtrepreneurs and friends who love connecting through meaningful conversations. It all started in an Uber where we were both so inspired by each other's life experiences. And it was then and there that we decided to create this platform because we believe in the power of growth, self-awareness, and connection. Our goal is to bring you insights, research-backed tools, tips, and shortcuts, and interviews with some of our world's greatest thinkers, leaders, and everyday heroes. We invite you to join us as we create positive change in mind, body, and soul. From the inside out. Welcome back to From the Inside Out. Welcome back, everybody. This is a, a very special episode for us because we are actually recording from the Ohel Chabad in Queens, New York. We planned this a while back when we uh, we knew that we were going to do a an episode on finding clarity. And the one place that we know is really important in helping us find clarity is the Ohel. And for those of you that have never been, the Ohel is the resting place of Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson of Blessed Memory, the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Uh, it's a very holy place. People come from near and far from all over the world to ask for blessings in their lives for themselves, for their families, for their friends, for people around the world. And the Rebbe's blessings are real and they're powerful. We just came from there and asked for blessings for the people of Ukraine, for the country of Ukraine, that everyone should be safe and there should be peace. And we are now here in the vicinity of the Ohel, um, which we are told is also very holy, just to be in the area surrounding the Ohel. We are actually at a home near the Ohel, and it's called Home at the Ohel. Um, if you want to ever rent this home, it is so lovely. It's got such a beautiful ambiance, and it actually is, even has a hall to seat 120 people. It has bedrooms, really nice ones for you to um, sleep in if you ever want to rent this place. And we're actually in like the conference room slash dining room, and it has a r- beautiful bright kitchen right near it. And um, big shout out to Home at the Ahel. We're going to put the link in our podcast notes. If you ever want to rent a home near the Ahel, this is the place you should rent. It feels really special to be able to be here. Rifka, thank you, first of all, for hooking up this house. It's so pretty. Yeah, it's really and nice. And uh, who do we thank for this? Elkana Schmatkin. He runs Gem. Okay. Thank you, Elkana Schmatkin. Thank you so much for letting us use this space. It's a beautiful space. So shout out to Gem. Yeah. Shout out. On our podcast talking about clarity and um, doing it in the vicinity of the Ohel, there is going to be a phenomenal new initiative. It's called It's Kind of Personal, and it has become personal for me. And it's very related to our topic today, clarity, because this initiative, if you decide to join me in doing this, Ida, are you joining me? I haven't even shared what it is yet. (laughs) 
But what if I said yes without even knowing? Yeah, do that. Okay, <laughs> I'm joining you. I trust that whatever you're going to share is, is meaningful. So I'm joining you. I'm oh, here. that's so nice. I'm clear on that. You're clear on that. Okay. When you trust, it's a, a good tip for clarity. When yeah. you trust, you're clear. This, this initiative is called It's Kind of Personal. And I'm going to share a little bit about it within the episode. It's 30 letters for 30 days. So over the years, the Rebbe answered tens of thousands of letters and they're printed in in the series known as Igros Kodesh. And in these letters, we find treasure troves of compassion, wisdom, faith. It's really sharing the Rebbe's approach to a vast range of life's issues. And Rabbi Taub is going to analyze each, each letter. And so I'm going to discuss, I'm actually going to share with you how I have found my own personal clarity just from hearing one of these letters. But I just wanted to share with you the, it's beginning Sunday night, March 13th, and it's on Zoom. It's going to be going for 30 days and it's ending on Yud Aleph Nisan, which is the Rebbe's birthday. It's every day for 30 days? Yeah, every night, every night, 10 o'clock at night for half an hour for 30 days. So is it, does it have to be live? People have to sign in live? No, so so yes, you can join live or you can watch it afterwards. Okay, but and you it's have free. to sign up. Though. Yeah, you have to sign up and it's free. It's free. The only thing that costs money is if you want to get the book to go along with it, which is, I think it's three or four dollars. Wow. But I'm going to put the link in the podcast notes so you can join Ida and I in finding clarity. And I can't wait to share with you some inspiration within this episode about the clarity that I've found so far wow. doing even one letter. That's, that's really amazing. Like, and I love that it's 30 minutes, so it's not like a massive time commitment. And I'll say, you know, years ago, before Shays Taub was a, an internationally recognized speaker, I saw this Jewish magazine. I was skimming through it, and, I, and, and, the, and I, this one page caught my eye. It was a sort of Dear Abby sort of page. And anyone who's not familiar with Dear Abby, it's a, it was an v- extremely popular column that I think still exists today where people would ask questions about issues they had. And Abby was this woman who would answer people's questions. So I was always very into that. I love that whole notion of people having a dilemma and then someone just helps them resolve it. And Chase, Rabbi Taub was doing that in the Jewish way. Yeah. And then I, and then when I, I bought his, he actually has a book yeah. called uh, Ami Letters. Ami Letters. So all those letters from the magazines. There's two volumes actually. Two volumes. Yeah. From each magazine compiled into a book, into two books. And I just read through the letters and it's amazing how you can find yourself in some of the letters, yeah. letters from parents, letters from spouses, from kids about family issues, all sorts of things. But the reason I'm saying this is because I think in the forward or in the, in the introduction of his book, he said something that really struck me. He said that first that he used the Rebbe's approach to answering these people who are asking him questions. Mm-hmm. And what is that approach? The approach is that he finds the answer in their question. Yeah. And they know that it came from them. Right. And that's the goal of this course, that we should be able to find our own answers in our daily lives, through our struggles, through the choices that we're making, that we should be able to find our own answers through the Rebbe's approach to the way he answered other people's questions. Right. And we're lucky. We're lucky to have that wisdom. It's hard enough to make decisions. And especially life sometimes brings us challenges and situations where we have to make a decision. And sometimes the decision comes with risk. Even even simple things like summer camp. My daughter was choosing between two summer camps and each one had its advantages, disadvantages, and we had to make the choice. And making that choice meant we can't look back. I'm only yeah. going to pay for one camp, not yeah. two. So that's maybe a, a simpler example. It's actually not so simple because then you you could go to camp and have a really horrible experience. And then you're like, I should have done this. I could have done that. Yeah. And then and your friends come back and they say, this camp was amazing. The right. One didn't go to. And for a child, that's like the end of the world when that happens. Yeah. 
And so how do you find clarity in that situation? It's really hard when looking at the past, you know, I, I could have done this, I should have done that. I see the times when I get like, I can get stuck there for a little bit and then I'll like pull myself out and be like, okay, how am I going to learn from this for the next time this happens? You know, so maybe I did make a mistake, but instead of being stuck there with regret, just kind of taking the opportunity to see how I can learn from my next experience. Right. And then it no longer really is a mistake in the way we understand it because the we, then everything starts to make sense. Well, I didn't do this the way I, I feel like I should have, but what I learned from this is that in the future, I'll do things differently. Yeah. So the past, I think very often we look back and we can say, oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. The past is supposed to be a lens into the future. When we train as, as therapists, we learn in our, I mean, in the modality we use, we learn that the past is just to be seen in context. So just to better understand what's going on right now, if someone's coming in with a problem, let's say that's family related, you've got to understand the dynamics of the family when the child was growing up to develop a treatment plan that works for the person, not to regret anything, just to understand what's going on so you can be more effective in the future. Yeah. You think, oh, what's going to come up that's similar to this situation? Nothing's going to come up, but you know what? Patterns repeat itself and something else is going to come up. It's true. Patterns. I think it's, when we talk about patterns, it's so important to be able to identify what are the patterns that hold us back. You know, many people, many of us want change, but not if it means changing, right? There's this notion of if you change nothing, nothing will change. Einstein said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And being able to identify patterns is important in bringing about change and bringing clarity and using our history, right? Looking back, using our history as a lesson gives us the ability to identify, well, what are things that I've done in the past that didn't work for me, that didn't serve me, that didn't help me improve my life or become a better person or bring more clarity? Identifying those things, that will help us identify what needs to be changed, what needs to be done differently so that I can really achieve the the change I want in my life. So, you know, today's topic, clarity, it's, it's a broad topic. I didn't love the, the classical definition of clarity, which is the quality of being coherent and intelligible. I feel like that's a bit vague. When I think of clarity, what I generally like to do is, is less to actually define it and more to understand it through the role model approach first, right? Who do I know that I respect that I believe has clarity and that helps me identify or understand better what what clarity means, what it means for me. And also I want to know what clarity is not, you know, or what do I need to filter out in order to, to bring more clarity into my life? I think clarity means being accepting of the fact that I don't have certainty. You know, and I, we feel like when we, we need clarity in making a decision, we mistakenly believe that we need certainty. Like I need to know that this is the right thing, but we don't know. Yeah. So in a way we have to give up control of the outcome um, and just accept the fact that we might end up feeling like maybe we could have done something differently, although that's not a healthy approach. Healthy approach is to not have regret because it serves no purpose. It's just to remember based on our past, you know, what we might do differently in the future. When I think about clarity, it usually comes from a struggle that I've been through. It's not, it's not just coasting along and, oh, I have clarity. It's usually I've gone through some kind of struggle, not from being stuck in that struggle, but from learning from the struggle. And then it's like, wow, that's much clearer to me now. And it kind of leads me to the next decision that feels empowering because I've learned from the struggle. 
What is it? It's interesting because yeah. very often people will say that, you know, like Byron Katie is a great example, right? She said it was only once she hit rock bottom that she had this awakening. Yeah. You know, and, and I feel like a lot of us, um, everyone, everyone has their micro struggles, like little things here and there, difficult decisions to make. But, um, and some of us have to struggle and, 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 and reach points where things are very difficult to have, to gain clarity, but it doesn't have, it doesn't have to be that way. It could people, you can get yeah, clarity can. in the, the day-to-day little yeah. things, you know, yes. through, through your mentors. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be, but when I think about it, that's when I've often found clarity. I think because when I struggle in order to get out of it, I have to kind of push past my comfort zone and yeah. Because I have to push past my comfort zone, I guess I have to build up a certain resilience and strength to do that. And um, somehow that brings a, a certain clarity. I find a goal that I want to achieve in order to get out of that struggle. But even when you find that clarity and you apply it, you can't always apply it perfectly. You know, you can find clarity in one place and then you can struggle with the next. So it's kind of like this cycle of you struggle, you learn, then you struggle, then you learn, you struggle, you find clarity, you learn, and, you know, we continue working. So I feel like there's a lot of unnecessary struggle that happens because a lot is being kept inside. You know, we're surrounded by static. We're surrounded by social norms, you know, things that we think, um, are true, but they're not right. Ways that we feel we should be based on what we see around us. It's kind of like when, if someone's having a rough day and they go out with friends and they see that their friend, all of their friends look like they're having a great time and so happy. So they kind of put a smile on their face, right. Assuming that's what they need to do. When in reality, it's very likely that some of the friends there also might've had a rough day, but nobody is talking about it. And not that people should be you know, talking about negative things, but it's okay to acknowledge, right, the inner struggle that happens. And I think one of the common denominators that I see, you know, from a mental health practitioner's perspective is that there's this disconnect between what people are saying and what is happening on the surface and what's going on behind the scenes. And and a lot of resilience comes from being able to to be vulnerable, right, to be open about what's going on. And then when one person kind of takes that leap, um, like you said, stepping out of their comfort zone, it's likely that somebody else will be like, oh, me too. And then there's more clarity there. Like, oh yeah, you know, we might've had a rough day, but okay, we're in this together, right? There's this safety in a group, people who understand each other that can be so effective in helping people heal and find more clarity in their lives. Yeah. You know what? Two things are coming up for me as you share this. First of all, Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, but America said, we can get you out of here. He said, I need ammunition, not a ride. He's in, he's in big time struggle, right? Struggle mode right now. And he wasn't looking for the easy way out. He was looking for ammunition. And it does take a lot of strength and resilience and conviction and pushing past our comfort zone to find, to find that clarity. And you can see that he has clarity. I think clarity for me also is truth. And he's really living his truth right now because he believes in his country, he believes in his people, he's not going to leave them. And you can you can feel that. You can feel that, you hear that, you see that. He's got his clarity, right. even though there's uncertainty. Right. And I really love that point um, because it's also about people who have, I think people have a natural resistance to fear, which doesn't allow them to confront certain things that are important in their lives. 
And I've heard about this. I mean, I'm sure many of you have heard about it, about the body keeps the score. It's a book about you know the brain, the mind, and the body and the healing of trauma and trauma, not in the literal sense of the word, meaning, you know, we usually associate trauma with, um, with war, with severe abuse, but there's also something called micro traumas, which are the little things that happen throughout your life that over time, um, can cause certain reactions in your body or in your mind that, um, you don't really know, you can't really attribute to anything specific. Like if a, even if a teacher said something to you that was hurtful or a friend or, you know, if, even if you had a, a car accident, a small minor car accident, every, it all adds up. So this, this book is about the importance of not just, not just being mentally clear, but understanding the role of your physical body in getting mental and gaining mental clarity. So for example, very often, and this is all, you know, this has been proven by research is that the body, like things from, from diabetes to, you know, high blood pressure have been linked to stress and unresolved early traumas. So the reason I'm sharing this is because sometimes you people don't have mental clarity in this. I'm reading this book now, finally, after years of having it. I've got it and I've only just started it. Yeah, there's, like this, there's this whole, I mean, it's probably one of the most important books written on mental, I would yeah. say on mental health. Body keeps the score. It's it just a, sits on my shelf. Yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not like a easy read. Page turner. It's not yeah. an easy read. It's the kind of book that, you know, I have to read in small uh, snippets, but it's all about how you, you have, you have to listen to your body too. So yeah. when you feel your body getting tense or when you feel like your chest feeling, you know, getting heavy, or even when you, even when you have inflammation, skin inflammation, um, it's, it's not that it's specifically because you have some mind, some mental health issue, mm-hmm. but that part has to be explored because there's a very strong link between the brain, the mind, the body in, in, in healing. It's yeah. really Hasidus because the mind, the body and the soul are all intertwined. They're not, they're not separate entities. They're team players. Yeah. So, so with, with regard to this, clarity is when you feel that your body and your mind and even your brain are in alignment, which means that if, if you're feeling triggered by something, you know, sometimes you you feel in your body like something is not right. And then someone asks you what's wrong and you say nothing. Obviously it's not that nothing's right. wrong, but you just can't you identify. Can't a... And there's actually a word for it. I think it's called alexithymia. Ooh la la. <laughs> yeah, if you look it up, it's um, alexithymia is a term used to describe problems with feeling emotions. So when there's no words for emotions, so a person can't really distinguish between different emotions and bodily sensations that, and, and, and the body connecting to those emotions. So they have trouble communicating how they feel to others. Mm-hmm. And sometimes how they communicate ends up being the cold shoulder or being passive aggressive when really they just can't identify what's going on. Right. And the way to heal that is to, it's fairly simple, is to just listen to your body, is to notice where it's happening and pay attention to it. And once you pay attention to your body and then you start to make associations, you just start to connect your body your body to your mind, what's mm-hmm. going on in your mind to what's going on in your body, slowly but surely you'll develop more clarity on like what it is you feel and right. how you, it's, so this is a little different from diff- making difficult decisions. Well, it's probably the first step. It's self-awareness. Isn't You're it? right. Yes, absolutely. But the other thing that, that came up for me, oh, you said sometimes we hold things inside. Yeah. Um, yeah, it could be the body, but it could also be that we just to, we have a fear of sharing how we feel. And um, I think one of the ways that helps me find clarity when I need it is reaching out to people that I respect. 
I was actually talking to my husband about how he finds uh, clarity and he said to me this quote, don't take criticism from anyone you wouldn't ask for advice. And I thought that was amazing because, you know, sometimes you really have to block out that outside noise. Like you hear criticism from the outside world and it can cause chaos and confusion in your mind. And the criticism is not from anyone that you necessarily respect at all. So blocking out those voices and zoning in on people you respect brings clarity. Lord Jonathan Sachs had shared this quote, win the respect from people you respect. So being open to taking positive reinforcement or, or constructive criticism from the people we respect brings us closer to a place of clarity, closer to the place where we want to be. Even a friend that you respect, and you're a friend that I respect, and we're sitting at Ditto. the... <laughs> I'm just thinking one time where I was really uncertain and I did not have clarity about... Go, I wasn't sure if I should visit my family in Australia. And I was having these guilt feelings and about leaving the kids, and you had said to me, what would you want your kids to do one day in, in such a situation? And, you know, you had the clarity to share that with me. And that gave me clarity because thinking about my children and what, what I would want them to do gave me the clarity to actually go because I would want my kids to be there for their family. So putting myself in that situation, in that mindset, gave me the clarity to go. And if I didn't ask you about that, I don't know if I would have gotten to that place. And so I think it's really important to reach out to people you respect because you're going to get the clarity you need from those people. I love that you said that. I, I actually love that whole idea of, you know, we don't, we often don't do what we believe our, what we would want our kids to do. Yeah. And our kids are watching us. So our kids are generally like Edith Eager said in, in our, in our interview with her, that kids don't do what we say, they do what we do. Yeah. So if you want your kids to honor their parents or their grandparents, They've got to see us doing it, even if it means that you're taking certain risks or you, you have certain things that you, it's, it's something makes it hard. And I think that you intuitively know, like yeah. if you're really seeing the full picture, if there's a few things to consider. One of them is, is this, and this is usually the first thing. I think when I'm trying to make a decision, the first thing I think about is what's the right thing. And I don't know, that, you know what's, that can be a little dangerous. Like yeah. what's the right thing? Because what does the right thing mean, right? Is it the societal norm? So you have to go through certain steps to figure out, you know, what's the best way for you to make difficult decisions? What's the best way to gain clarity? I like to use the example of kosher because I keep kosher and I wouldn't think for a second to, I mean, the ultimate form of clarity is, you know, when there's nothing competing, there's no competing motivations. I'm going to a grocery store. I'm not craving anything not kosher because I simply know that I keep kosher and that those are my options. Right. So I'd like to get to that place yeah. with some flexibility, obviously. Yeah. But as far as mentorship goes, because we were just sharing that um, getting advice from the people that we respect leads to clarity. Yeah. We had gone to Tampa together and you gave a lecture and I loved something that you shared about how to find who your mentors are and who you want to be in life. Can you share that? Yeah. So I, um, this is actually very relatable here. When I, I, yeah, I gave a, a workshop for, to women and this is something that I've used often, and especially in coaching, it's very effective is a lot of people come and they feel lost, like directionless. They don't know what they should do. They have different ideas, but nothing really pans out. Um, and they, I don't want to, I don't like to call it an identity crisis because I think our, ident our identities evolve as we grow, as we get older. And I don't think being locked in one identity is even a good thing because Life is dynamic. Things change. Things happen. We have to be able to adapt and roll with it. 
So what I do is I ask them to think about, depending on who it is, if it's a child less, if it's an adult, maybe more, between five and seven people that they admire most. Like who, if you could think of people that you truly like look up to, who are they? And once you, you know, put together a list, what is it about each of them that you admire? So usually it's three to four things about each person. And, you know, if you have a pen and paper, I would encourage you to do it. You can even do do it it right now, do it right now. Um, And then write down what it is, what it is about each person that you admire most. And then you look at all of them and then you find the common denominator, right? You find some patterns you're looking for. Is there something that I wrote again and again that, that, is standing out to me. And usually that's who you want to be. Your mentors are people you look up to because you connect to them in some way. So if I'd written down, let's say I wrote down, um, a very, what do you call it? A very uh, eclectic, um, variety. I had obviously Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs. I had, um, Oprah, (laughs) I had Brene Brown. I had, so it's different kinds of people. Um, And what I noticed about all of them is that they were not afraid to speak up on things they believed in, despite having a lot of opposition, meaning they stood strong and they weren't afraid of the, I joke that I'd make a great mediator because I could see two sides of every You would make a great mediator. I would, but the problem is that when one side speaks, I I'm with them, I get it. And the other (laughs) side speaks and I'm with them and I get it too. It's like, shoot, you know, I, I do, I look, I want to be able to empathize and see both sides, but still know what's right and not be afraid to to, to say it. So that, that was what I learned from that. Yeah. And this is for all ages, even a little child. Yeah. I love this. I love that. Um, Self-exploration. Yeah. That's what it is. Wasn't that amazing that there was a woman there and she had chosen the Rebbe as you got everybody to write it down and she had chosen the Rebbe as one of the people that um, she looks up to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, of the way that he appreciated every single Jew for who they are. She had read a book and and she wants to do that. And she went up and she shared it with all of us. She really wanted to share that. And it was was a moment where everybody was, you could tell that there was an energy, like a strong and powerful energy. Finding those people that you look up to brings clarity because it's like you know who you who you, who you're striving to be and you can you know you can gather different lessons and advice from different people yeah and then you know honor your honor your internal process listen to your intuition trust it even if it's at odds with what other people think and i think over time if you have those pieces the mentors people you admire you surround yourself with people who have good energy who you know are helping you grow it's, it becomes easier to trust your intuition. Right. But it's interesting because you, you see people who don't reach out to anybody and it seems like they feel like they have clarity, but do they really? Like they're just making decisions on their own without hearing from anybody else, but they seem like they've got clarity. I think that's a really great point. And I believe that part of having clarity is recognizing that you need perspective sometimes from other sources is that you don't have all the answers. So I think that people who, you know, don't look to others for feedback or who just believe it, that they don't need anybody. I think that's like a form of a lack of clarity, not being open to other people's points of view to me is not clarity, right? They think they've got clarity, but it's not necessarily, right. it's that's, not that. Right. Exactly. It might be arrogance. 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's why, yeah, we're building our vocabulary. Yeah. Arrogance. <laughs> also, it's a difference between, let's say, um, confidence versus competence. I just right. saw this recently is competence is being, or believing like believing you're competent is believing you're good at something. Believing you're confident is just knowing that you might not know everything, but you're willing to put forth and put out at the expense of being wrong. I could be wrong. I believe I'm right, but I'm willing to hear what you have to say. Right. Well, you know, Rabbi Sachs had said that self-doubt is not a bad thing. It's interesting because self-doubt isn't necessarily going to, you would think wouldn't lead to clarity, but it can lead to clarity. It's kind of, that self-doubt is kind of like the struggle. You need you know some what I mean? of it, yeah. You yeah, need the yeah. self-doubt in order to reach out to somebody you respect. Um, because if you're not humble about it, you're going to be self-absorbed and um, that could lead to arrogance, you know, and you're kind of not seeing the full picture. But the self-doubt he felt was a good thing because it leads you to reach out to different people and that you respect and then come to a clear decision. You have more clarity that way. What do you think right. about that? Yeah, and self, so self-doubt does not mean low self-esteem. Right. It just means that you're humble and acknowledge that you maybe in a way don't feel worthy of the position that you've been given. Like Moshe, he was humble. He didn't believe he was worthy of that role of being a leader. And that's what made him worthy. It's interesting. Right. A certain level of humility is necessary. Self-doubt is necessary right. to really step into the role of leadership. So I guess um, when we have self-doubt, we don't have to doubt ourselves <laughs> because it's a good thing. So it, it can lead to clarity. Right. I feel like clarity is also trust, trust, trusting ourselves. Yeah. And most importantly, trusting in Hashem. We, we are able to get to a place of clarity when we let go of the fact that we are not in control of the world. We're, we're in control of what we're going to do, doing our part, um, doing acts of goodness and kindness in the world, making choices in the best way that we can, but we're not in control of the outcome. That brings tranquility and peace. And when you have that like feeling of tranquility and peace of mind, you can actually think clearly. Right. Because anxiety blocks clarity. It's funny. We think that if we try to control everything, then we'll have clarity, but it's actually the opposite. It's when we surrender and we understand that we're not in control, that we can have the clarity to make decisions. We just have to be able, we have to be able to make a distinction between what we actually can change and what we can't change. I think that's really at the crux of it. It's right. like, you know, when we asked Michal Oshman what freedom means to her and she said she doesn't have an answer because she hasn't felt it. Mm -hmm. I actually really related to that. Um, but until I started learning Shara Betachan and I've been meditating on the thought that freedom is trust in Hashem, like we do our part physically and we make a vessel in nature. And instead of relying on a person or a situation, we have our minds and our hearts for Hashem. That is really a freeing feeling. Like that brings a feeling of freedom, knowing that I do my part and I put my trust in God for the outcome. So there's a freeing feeling in that. And that leads to clarity because there's a feeling of security and tranquility, which allows us to think clearer as we manifest that my higher power knows my address. Yeah, I like that. My higher power knows my address. Very excited about the lessons that I learned from the one letter that I learned with um, Rabbi Taub that I just want to share that. Can we do that? Amazing. Yeah. Okay. To hear that. And that'll lead to the breakthroughs. Yeah. So what happened was we got a little taste with some other influencers in Brooklyn. Rabbi Taub gave us a little taste of what this course is going to be like. 
And so he shared one letter with us so that we can then share that with the people that we know. But really what I felt uh, listening to this class, because I had never really studied uh, the Rebbe's letters before, and I didn't know what to expect, but I'm a big fan of Rabbi Taub, so I was going, and that was it. But I couldn't believe how it did bring so much clarity to, it was like a week ago we did this. In this week, that I had written eight points that I learned from this class, and I found clarity through each point. I really was able to take this personally. I'm not even going to share the person's question with you that they sent into the Rebbe, because I couldn't relate to the question. The question did not relate to my life. Wow. Yet the answer the Rebbe gave, I was able to relate to my life. And that's I what, actually have chills yeah. hearing that because it seems it doesn't seem likely that if someone asks a question that I can't relate to at all, that I would be able to understand something about myself through the answer. But I'm excited to hear it. Yeah, so that is his point. It's not about the what, it's about the how. It's really about his style, like how he goes about the answer and how we can apply that to our lives. It's about how do I answer a question, this yeah. question. How do I answer a question? How is the Rebbe approaching this? It made my own thought process clearer. That's what it is. It's the thought process of how I'm going to go about my day or how I'm going to go about my choices. So I'll just share the eight things in a little so nutshell. Before you share it, yeah. um, I want to encourage you, our listener, to think of a question or a dilemma that you have, something that you weren't sure about a decision that you, you know, you, you're not fully clear on and try to apply these, is it eight principles, eight things to the question that you're thinking about, to the dilemma you're thinking about. I'm actually going to do that too. Okay. So, and also thinking about if someone came to you and asked you a question, how you would approach it. Okay. I have an easier time answering other people's questions. Yeah, you're good at that. You actually, <laughs> when I share now, I give it's you my are, questions. That I get <laughs> it's true. You are very good at answering, um, at helping people find clarity to that. Actually, I have to bring it home. Okay, so we're, just to clarify, these are your personal takeaways from the letter. Yeah. So when you are asked a question, the first thing, like when you're approached with a question. And you can do this for yourself as well, like when you're asking yourself a question, to first validate the question, because that's what the rebel was doing in this answer. So first validate your question um, and come from a place of understanding. Right. So there's no such thing as a bad question. Yeah. This is your question. It's, it's worthy of thought. Yeah. Okay. And stay open-minded. Try to see it from different angles. That's my second point. Okay, so, so this is number two. This first one is validate the question. Yeah. Stay open-minded and try to see it from other angles. Meaning like. Yeah. Don't try to see you have your, you probably have a certain like way that you're leaning towards with your question, but try to be open-minded about it. You know, see it from all different angles. So you're widening the scope of yeah. the understanding. Then um, be humble about it because the Rebbe was being, he was being very humble in the way he shared his opinion. So this is for someone who's answering the question. Yeah. But I, I think that we can do that for ourselves too. I think that we can have some humility also because sometimes we can get very caught up in ourselves. Right. It's not about us. And it's, it's not, not really always about, about it. Yeah. Isn't about, it's only about you. Yeah. There's other people in the picture. Right. Right. And we're only seeing it from our point of view, our vantage point. Okay. Um, okay. Be humble about it. Number four, that there's always a paradox in Judaism and there is a way to live that paradox even though they seem opposite. Meaning you can have two opposing things yeah. 
And even though they seem opposite, there's right. a, there's a, there's a, there's a way to like live that paradox. paradox. Yes. Yeah. You know, when you say paradox, what comes up for me is that there's so much confusion around conflicting ideas. So for example, you know, if, if a, if someone, if a child or a, even an adult, you know, like fails in something, does does badly on a test, then suddenly there's this this negative voice that says, "Oh, I'm not smart," right? Um, without being able to embrace the paradox of you can be smart and and fail a test, and I think the notion of paradox is so deep, and it reminds me of this example based on Hasidic thought that you have to believe that you're nothing. Each person has to believe they are nothing, and at the same time, a person has to believe that the world was created for them. So how does that make sense, right? There's an inherent paradox right there. And the point is that once we can embrace that paradox of I am nothing, look at me, I'm a little speck in the universe, and the world was created for me, for me to make a dira betartonim, right? To change this world to the best of my capacity, that brings a lot of clarity. You could be good and bad. Well, the Rebbe actually shares how to live this paradox. So he says, and, and I think the answer also applies to us in our own lives. There's a time to be practical. And he says, that's what you should do mostly, be practical. And then there's also a time we can be wild, not as often, but we can. So I'll, I'll give you an example. So I, I had experienced this, what we're discussing right now, but there's a time to be practical mostly, and then there's a time we can be wild. I had a client who came to me and she was feeling so guilty. She went out with her family for dinner and she completely let go, had all the desserts, and she was so good during the week. And it made me think of this. You know what? There's a time to let go. There's a time to be wild and have your dessert and enjoy enjoy it with your family. Okay, that's not necessarily the right thing all the time, but there's a time and place for that. And most of the time, you're going to eat healthy and well. So I felt like that that applied and applies to so many things. And it, I feel like it makes, and you tell me this, because I feel like you would know a lot better than me, is that like having like a cheat day or having like the... And you've said this before, like giving yourself like the 80, 20 rule yeah. you said in, in which in the podcast on eating better and living, it's called have your cake and eat it too. Having your, have your cake and eat it too. Episode, um, highly recommended because <laughs> I, I cannot tell you how many new habits I adopted from that episode specifically. It is episode 21, have your cake and eat it too, a digestible approach to holistic living. So that's where you shared that. Um, yes. The flex- rule, like you're yes. allowed to have junk food every once in a exactly. while. Exactly. The 20% right. is the flexibility, the kindness you want to allow yourself. And then the 80% is where you're going to, you're going to eat wholesome, nourishing and healthy foods. And that's, what's going to keep things. That actually is what is going to make um, your healthy lifestyle, doable, holistic, sustainable. And that there's the paradox here. You need the strength and resilience to, to be mindful and to, resist those foods that aren't good for you most of the time. And then you want to allow yourself the kindness to be a little wild and also enjoy the things that you love that aren't necessarily nutritious. You know, it's, I I was just listening to a podcast um, where Dr. Daniel Amen, who, who is a psychiatrist, and he has this book that just came out. It's called you happier. I really want to get it, but I've got too many books to catch up on, but it's on my list of books to get. Um, He said, you only want to love food that loves you back. I love that because it really gets you into this mindset of, okay, I might love this, but does it love me? Is it good for me and my body? I'm glad we're talking about holistic, healthy living right now, because think about 
um, exercise and working out and what that can do for your mindset and for your clarity when you're consistent about exercising and finding a workout that you love and that you really feel loves you. Like you really feel the difference in how clear your mind is and how strong you feel. Same with eating, being mindful of the things that work well for you. Yeah. So think about that quote because uh, it brings more clarity to what works for your brain and your body. I shared this in in that episode, um, Have Your Cake and Eat It Too, but it just applies so well here. You know, we, we need the strength and we need the flexibility. They're inseparable. They're a paradox, strength and kindness, but the way to really live holistically is to embrace both of them. And there's a way to do that. Yeah, yeah. Embrace the paradox of life. This also, number six, really applied to my week two. Um, From this letter that I wrote down, that I jotted down, was sometimes the question that I may have about others that I want to change are answers for myself in my own avoda, in my own work. Um, So sometimes the question that I have or I I find myself being critical of someone else, which I did find myself this past week, like judging someone or, or being critical about something they were doing and I stopped myself because it's, it's easy to say, but then when you learn the rabbi's answer, you're like, wow, I have something tangible to actually learn from. And it's true that I can actually take this criticism and turn to myself and ask myself, like, what can I work on instead of focusing on what the other, what, what I feel the other person could be doing better. There's a, there's a really good quote for that, Rivka. It said something like the healer before they're truly able to heal has to question the part of themselves that desired to be healer to begin with. Meaning what part of you feels that you need to be a healer? And is it the part of you that's still not healed? It's a little bit like esoteric, but the point is when you feel like you need to fix someone or you're not okay with something someone is doing, where's that coming from? What part of you believes that that person needs to change? When you're saying this person is so judgmental, right? Let's say you say that person's so mean and judgmental. What are you doing? You're being judgmental of that person that you're saying it's judgmental, right? Right. So that's the part of you that needs to be checked. Right. If you truly believe that judgmental people are not doing the right thing, then why are you doing it? And if you're doing it, then start from the inside, right? Then, then, then suspend judgment of others, understanding that everyone's going through their thing. And only then do you really have the ability to be a true helper is when you see, when you're compassionate and you see that there's always a story. Yeah. Um, and that's what this is. This, this is, that's what this is. And it's very, it's such a hard truth to confront whenever we have these moments. It's like, not that we have to take full responsibility for things that, that, bother us or that are hurtful to us, but we have to check ourselves. We cannot keep our heads like um, Esther Althaus said. I love that term. Don't put your head in the sand. Yeah. Totally different topic. <laughs> yes. Talking about women and finance, but it's the same thing. Like don't put your head in the sand, acknowledge what's going on, be self-aware and have the clarity to understand that you don't have the full picture. Then number seven is always add, because the rebel was talking about um, adding in good things, like telling this person that they should and add, add in their own oh. doing of good things. So the lesson that I took is always add in doing good things. Don't decrease. 
it's kind of looking at yourself, you know, when you're asking a question about someone else, let's look at myself and see, okay, what can I do to better myself instead of focusing on the other person? I'll say something's not working. Instead of telling somebody else to stop doing this, you say, what do we start doing? Or what can I do? Or what can I do? Right. To increase goodness. It's an extension of the last one and doing your own work. Right. Is that's what the rabbi always said is to add something. Yeah. Even people who had their plate full, he said, add something. Yeah, add more. And you know how they say, if you want to get something done, add, ask a busy person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. They can add. You know, the more they add, the more energy they reserves they have. But yeah, and the pressure's on in all the in all the things that we have to do. But this last takeaway that I took from the rabbi's letter was very empowering to me because he was speaking about the role of the woman in the home and in the world and and how much of an impact we make in the lives of those around us. And his words make me feel like he believes in me and it empowers me to add and to do more and also brings me clarity. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, so clarity doesn't happen overnight. It's a process that over time you live, you learn, you make, you know, you make mistakes. Well, we, let's not call them mistakes. There are opportunities from decisions that might've not been ideal for you at the, at the time that you made them. But the point is that over time you're learning and you're developing self-awareness and the ability to have more clarity as you make future decisions. So Rivka, um, a while back, Rifka, you came up with this acronym in our episode on triggers our mirrors. And I loved it. I feel like one of the many talents that you have is coming up with an acronym to clarify the topic in a way that makes it much easier to absorb and understand. I'm so excited to share this because when you shared it with me, I was so blown away by how you were able to bring it all together. The word is clarity and you created an acronym that brings more clarity to clarity. Clarity. Okay. So but it's a team effort. It. It's the two of us doing this together that somehow it just came to me from both our ideas, like putting both our ways of dealing with clarity and coming to clarity through this word. <laughs> but well, it, you're, you're very good about sharing the credit for this one, but I don't take credit in putting this together, but I, I, I love how it summarizes. Um, it's, it's like a good summary and acronym all encapsulated uh, all in okay, one. So, all righty. So clarity. C is for children. Think about what we would want our children to do and the values that we'd want to impart on them. And that can help us bring clarity into how to best approach a situation. L is for learn. Learning from our struggles and past experiences. Every moment is being created. So every moment is completely brand new. Each moment now is perfect. And so our opportunity is in the now. A is for alignment. It's alignment in mind, body, and spirit, and they're all connected. And anyone who's been very hungry, you know, or hangry, as they say, it's it's knows that it's a lot harder to make decisions with clarity when you didn't eat right, or even when you didn't sleep right. If you think of the, the term sleep on it, very often you know, when you get a good night's sleep, the next morning you have more clarity about a decision that you want to make. So eating right, sleeping right, everything is connected. And so having alignment, that's where they, that's what the A stands for is alignment in mind, body, and, and spirit. Respect. Reach out to the people you respect. The Rebbe had so much wisdom in 
telling us to find a mashpia, someone we look up to for guidance. We can't always have clarity on our own. I is for igres, letters. It's the how, not the what, when you're answering the question, right? You want to know how to answer the question as opposed to what to answer. You know, look to the, look to answers of the Rebbe for a style, for a thought process and a skill on how to answer your question. And I, and, you know, we, we discussed the, um, the course that's been given by Rabbi Shays Taub, which starting this month in how, in the how, learning how to answer a question. And again, the link will be in our podcast notes. T is for trust in Hashem. When we feel bitachon, trust, it gives us peace of heart and mind and helps us to think clearly. And finally, Y is for you. You're the one that knows the truth of who you are. You're the one who can develop a self-awareness where you ask yourself, what is truly the right thing for you? There's, there is a way to live in the paradox of being kind and also being firm and having boundaries and asking yourself, is what I'm doing helping me or hurting me? And that's clarity. We hope this episode brought you more clarity, the better understanding of what clarity means to you. And we look forward to hearing from you. Bye for now.